We've all seen it in a museum, the ascent from ape to man over millions of years. But if evolution is true, where are all of the bones of these ape-like ancestors? We'll find out what the museums don't tell you right now on Wonders Without Number. Welcome to Wonders Without Number. I'm David Reeves, and today we want to inform and inspire you regarding the wonders we find all around us. An infinite number of wonders that point us directly to our Creator, the God of the Bible. Now, you're no accident. I want you to know that you're special, that you were created in God's own image, that Jesus Christ was and is that Creator, and that He has a plan for your life. So real science is actually found to support what the biblical history always told us when it comes to the creation of the universe. But what about when it comes to the evolution of mankind? Did we arise by slow changes and mutations from an early ape-like ancestor? Well, my guests today have given that question a lot of thought, and they're here with the latest research. Dr. Dan Biddle is the president of Genesis Apologetics and has a PhD in organizational psychology from Alliant University and a bachelor's degree in organizational behavior from the University of San Francisco. Pat Roy worked with the Institute for Creation Research for 12 years, and he's been the inspiration behind long-running audio dramas, including the popular series Jonathan Park and Time Chroniclers. Welcome to the program. Thanks, David. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you out here all the way from California. <clears throat> you flew in last night to be with us here. Yes, sir. Uh, you had a little bit of delays with uh, some of the weather. Mechanical stuff, weather stuff, but we're here. So, <laughs> That's yeah. the good thing. Yep. So we are so excited. What I want you to do <clears throat> is we got a lot to cover, but you've done a lot of research on human evolution. Lucy, our supposed ape-like ancestor, mm -hmm. Uh, and you have a, a, a ministry, an organization out there in California. Can you tell me just a little bit about that? Certainly. Uh, Genesis Apologetics is a 501c3 uh, ministry in California. We have uh, five volunteers. We have one guy that gets out internationally and speaks at some countries around the world. And then we have four of us locally that are, are, are volunteer speakers that get around the Northern California area. Okay. And, uh, and our emphasis is really going after kids in junior and senior high because in California they're being steeped in evolution teaching without a lot of the biblical creation side presenting its, its perspective. So if we just start by taking a look at what's taught in California as an example, this is going to be similar to almost every other state. States, of course, vary on the extent of evolution teaching and when it starts. But California really, really does a number on the students there with a total of 250 pages. Wow. But again, this is going to be very typical for most other states. Right. So, but just drilling into to California, it starts in sixth grade with the Ancient Civilizations book and World History class. Okay. And of course, about the first 20 pages of, of this book is devoted to our topic today. We're going to be looking at Lucy the Australopithecus. So okay. she's featured as the, as the main human evolution icon uh, for the first 20 pages of this book here yeah. that present the idea that human evolution really started with the Australopithecines about four to five million years ago, and then it goes up to Homo sapiens and Homo sapiens uh, sapiens that they say. So 
But that's about 20 pages in sixth grade, then it continues in seventh grade with life science class. And this is Start really- to add a little bit more. Yeah, this is really what the foundation's been poured over here. And actually in fifth grade, they, they present the idea of millions of years. So that foundation's already been laid. Mm. Then human evolution, then Darwin's theory proper. So they have about 88 pages here in, uh, in California life science where they go over really the full download of evolution theory. Wow. Then they finish them off in 10th grade with about 150 pages of evolution teaching. So about one out of every eight pages in this book is really designed towards supporting the theory of evolution. Now, Pat, you've, you've actually experienced this firsthand. You've talked to a lot of young people, you've talked to college students, you, and you've seen this type of indoctrination. It's taught as fact, isn't it? Well, it, it, exactly. So I've been going out to college campuses and talking to students because there's that statistic that more than half of students will reject their faith by the time they're done with college. Mm. And I hate that statistic. I wanted to find out if that was true. So we took a camera out and actually talked to a bunch of different students. And uh, here's one of the questions I asked them. From the time you entered college till the time you realized that uh, you could no longer trust the Bible, how, how long did that take? It was about three to six months is what they said. Wow. And the next question was, what was the thing that uh, was the fact that caused you to reject your faith. Mm -hmm. uh, here's what I got a lot of times was, well, I'm not quite sure. I said, wow, hmm. you've rejected everything you've been taught and you can't even give me a specific. Huh. So it's, it, yeah, it's important it's to reach these students and give them. The other thing that I asked them a lot was, uh, have you ever heard the evidence for creation before? Yeah. And the answer was no. And I said, would you be interested in hearing it? And uh, every single one, every single one said yes. And so we would turn off the camera uh -huh. and usually I'd spend about 15 or 20 minutes just going through and they ate it up, right? So wow. the problem isn't that they've heard the information and rejected it. It's mm -hmm. that they've never heard it in the first place. That's right, okay. So it's a legitimate problem, but Y'all have done some legitimate research trying to track down what are the key components of this problem. Go through some of Exactly. Let's take a look here. Uh, this is our charge. One of our charges as Christian and Christians, and certainly one that fuels our ministry, is that we're, we're given weapons of warfare that are not carnal or fleshly, hmm. but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations. Uh -huh. And if you look at this word here, imaginations, well, mm -hmm. evolution's based on deep, deep time. That, yeah. That's its foundation. True. And if you, you pull down that stronghold, then what are you left with? You know, a whole bunch of individual animals created after their kinds, just like the Bible talks about. Yeah. So evolution theory really is an imagination. It's a, it's a it figment that requires a lot of faith, a lot of blind faith to believe, because no one was there supposedly millions of years to observe and test and repeat what they think what they say happened. Okay. So in the high things that exalt itself uh, against the knowledge of God, and we would certainly put Lucy, the Australopithecus, as a high thing that it exalts itself over the biblical account of creation. Above the actual God of the Bible, it's almost like there are people out there who worship Lucy as their idol, as their creator. This yeah. is where we came from, right? Exactly. We're um, warned about that yeah. in the scripture. Exactly. There are Lucy tattoos, <laughs> Lucy shirts, and <laughs> all kinds of things. So, uh, so what we learned is <clears throat> there are really two different challenges when it comes to the, the biblical creation apologetics or a biblical creation ministries. The first is we really need to focus on the reasons why, the specific reasons why people are believing and holding to the idea of evolution. And everyone has what's called a, a knowledge network or a semantic network that makes up the reasons why they believe something. Okay. So we want to specifically find out, well, what are the, the fabric, what are the connectors that are holding together the idea that evolution is true in the mind of the teen? 
Secondly, once we've identified that, we've got to go after, well, how do teens learn nowadays? And it's not by reading a 500-page creation book. Exactly. Sometimes it's going and listening to speakers, but teens nowadays, they want eye candy, they want the mm -hmm. videos, and it's got to be quick, sensational, and it can't really feel like school to them. There's a, a really a new culture emerging okay. where, where students learn through social media. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. so we want to focus on, on that, too. So here's just a quick example of what a, a knowledge network might, might look like. So if someone says around the Thanksgiving dinner table, hey, I'm trying to watch my weight this season. Mm -hmm. Well, if you take that concept and says, I'm, I'm trying to watch my weight, well, here's what it looks like in someone's mind. They're thinking body mass index, and it differs by gender or their waist circumference or obesity, their metabolic syndrome or yeah. diabetes. There's a whole bunch of things that make up a concept of weight management. Okay. So the question relevant to us is, what does this look like for the theory of evolution? Okay. You see, the, 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 trick, the okay. trick there is, this is what we want to deconstruct. You don't want to come up this to a teenager and try to talk them out of evolution sure. using topic X if they're holding on to it because of topic Y. Uh -huh. So we'll, we'll take more of a look at that. Yeah. So the question is, what does the knowledge network look like in the mind of students? And we've done some research, about 300 students, and we've really mapped out what we think this looks like. Okay, so let's take a look. Going in, into that. So what we did is we surveyed uh, almost 300 students aged 14 to 24, mm -hmm. and we asked them, give us your best shot. What is the, the best evidence for evolution, regardless of whether you believe it? What are the leading two, we ask them each to provide two, okay. evidences that you believe evolution could be true or is true. Okay. So we took all those responses and boiled them down into 10 different categories, hmm. which is what you see here. Uh -huh. And of course, the, the, the leading one is human evolution. Human evolution. So you've got about 25% of, the, of these teens, these students says, well, of course, I believe in, in evolution because humans evolved. And okay. they made comments like, well, you see chimps in zoos and we're similar, or the human chimp DNA myth or whatever right. it might be and and then it goes on to some some other ones uh, Darwin's theory proper or evolution theory uh, as okay. a pillar uh, stood alone with about 21 percent followed by uh, fossils and transitions was the third our uh, leading reason 15 percent something like that okay. yes exactly and then interestingly about 12 or 13 percent of them says well science in general, mm -hmm. they appealed to authority. Right. And they said, well, they're making the, the, the false leap to say, well, the smart scientists that give me medicine when yeah. I'm sick uh -huh. are those same smart scientists mm -hmm. in the abstract that are telling me that it's true. Right. But they don't know the difference between observational science that produces things like medicine and physics and mm -hmm. how we put people on the moon and historical science. They haven't been taught those distinctions Okay. Yet. So these are really the, the four leading things, and we'll, we'll be covering a lot of these. Uh, well, let's yeah. jump right in to the key component, human evolution. Absolutely. As we mentioned, Lucy is the number one leading icon that's used to promote evolution. Uh, she was dug up out of the Ethiopian desert in the early 70s by Donald Johansson, yeah. and uh, that's in all the textbooks. Everybody knows about that. Mm -hmm. But now we'll go over a few things that teenagers really don't hear about uh, in school, okay. even in sixth grade. So, um, of course, our position on Lucy is she's an extinct ape. Excellent. So, but it's interesting, when you look at Lucy from the side here and you compare her to chimp or a bonobo, you'll notice that the, the front of her of her face is sloped and ape-like. So okay. when she 
would, if she were to stand upright and look yeah. down, she's looking at her nose. She couldn't see where she's walking. Ah, okay. So you and I can stand down and we could stand straight up and look down and we can see where we're walking. Exactly. But she couldn't, of course, because she walked on all fours. Ah. Even her, her, the slope of her face doesn't support bipedalism because she'd be looking down or having to walk like this all the time. That makes sense. Okay. So, but if you look at it, what scientists have, have looked at is this thing on the bottom here called the foramen magnum. Uh -huh. And it's where the spine enters into the base of the skull. Okay. So on humans, it, 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 we come in straight from the bottom so that we can stand and walk upright. Right. Okay. But on chimps and on Lucy's kind, it comes in at an angle, indicating that they walked on all fours. Really? So actually the hole itself is moved back a little bit to, to facilitate that type of angled walking on all fours. Okay. That's the first thing. But the second thing is they've done exhaustive studies with the limited uh, skulls that they do have of Lucy's kind. And notice it's coming in at an angle, huh. indicating that she's hunched over walking on all fours. Not upright. Not upright, no. Wow, okay. okay. All right. So moving on to some other things about Lucy here, we will take a look at Lucy's pelvis. Now this is a very, very controversial thing and you have creationists saying a lot of things about mm -hmm. this and you have evolutionists that are even uh, up in arms about this saying some incredible things. There's even some scientific papers in, uh, pe with people who believe in evolution saying that the reconstruction of her pelvis because it was found broken and smashed in dozens and dozens of pieces they believe exaggerates some of the human-like characteristics of the way that the, the pelvis might flare out like a chimp versus the way that humans would, would walk. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message, and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 2824, Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreeves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. So. Okay, so let me ask you a question. The pelvis was one of the primary reasons that they believed that this was an a creature that walked upright. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And there, there's a video that we have here um, <laughs> that we, we're not going to play it today, but we do have a video where, where the people who found Lucy are okay. showing what they've done to it because wow. apparently it was broken and then re-fossilized into a different location. So they took the liberty of cutting it apart with a buzzsaw and then <laughs> repositioning it in the way that they thought it should be. So even the people who found it, the people who worked with it, the people who reconstructed it. You're saying that they did some creative reconstructing. Exactly. They, they took quite, quite a bit of liberty of, of reconstructing it. Well, first of all, I just find it amazing that it was found smashed up in all kinds of different right. different pieces here. Yeah. And there's you can look that there's people that argue how many vertebrae are on the sacrum over here, and there's a lot of detail that goes into it. But we just find it interesting that, that we're dealing with really broken put to, put and put back together yeah. things here. So to try to to try to say that this thing walked upright. Yes, and our book goes into great detail about 
her pelvis specifically, but a, a number of our sources are drawn from secular scientists who hmm. don't like either what they're seeing as, as far as the, actually what they found yeah. or the reconstruction of it. They're saying it was done in a way to exaggerate a human uh, sacral-like plane. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so moving on from her uh, pelvis here, we have her gender, and uh, you know he, she's called Lucy, right. and, and they thought it was a female, but more recently, uh, a number of secular scientists are coming out, well, maybe it should be Brucey. Maybe it's not <laughs> Lucy, it should be Brucey. Or another article came out and said, is it Lucy or Lucifer? Interesting oh, wow. that they would choose that, that yeah. name. But, uh, but even her gender is in conflict now. Okay. So when you're dealing with an extinct ape that's a few thousand years old, uh, in our opinion, yeah. of course you're not going to have enough information with those scant remains to make these clear diagnoses, about it, even on something like her gender. Sure. So, uh, so even that's uh, up for discussion. Wow, okay. Lucy's here shown walking on her knuckles. They okay. walk on both their feet and on their knuckles. And when, when a couple scientists took a look at the end of Lucy's arm bone here, they noticed that it has a locking system here, just like a chimp. Yeah. So if you go down and look at the curvature of Lucy's, the end of her arm bone, it's curved and it has a convex, concave locking system here okay. so she can walk on her knuckles. Right. If but you and I tried to, yeah. to, to do it, we'd be breaking our wrists. <laughs> sure. You know, um, and that's of course why even when you have kids out on these variety of different wheel devices, they fall backwards and they're breaking their wrists. Breaking their wrists. Right. right. They're, we're not designed to have a lot of load on there. And just like a chimp, we have the same thing. We have this concave, convex interlocking system mm. between some of the wrist bones and the arm bone so that it can lock into place for, for knuckle walking. Okay. And there are secular scientists that have written entire uh, lengthy articles about this and using it as evidence to say, we think she walked on all fours. Wow. So Lucy's wrists lock into place for knuckle walking. Yes. Yep. Okay, now I've, I've heard various reports all the way from she might have even fallen 40 feet out of a tree. Have, have you heard that? Yes, that came out just this uh, summer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, might have fallen 40 feet out of a tree. Here's some you know, supposed ape-like ancestor walking upright, and oh, they just happen to be 40 feet up in a tree, fall out, and I've even heard that maybe something came along and stepped on this pelvis bone, and that's what crushed it, mm. and that's the reason it had to be reshaped. But there are so many different accounts. Did it fall out of a tree? Uh, did it walk upright? Uh, what about this extra piece that came from a different type of a creature? We're just learning this. Hmm. What does the future hold? I mean, hmm. don't you think that given enough years, we will discover even more hidden things about Lucy and about some of these other ape-like ancestors that completely put the nail in the coffin? You know, it's amazing that they, they say that it's difficult to make predictions, but creationists can make predictions based on God's word, yes. which would put her as, a, as an animal kind that was created on the sixth day of creation before man, mm. and she walked on all fours. I mean, even the data says she's a 55 to 60, to 60 pound ape-like creature okay. that's only three and a half feet tall, yeah. certainly not on her way coming to becoming human. <laughs> so, And also, David, you know. as you know, what <clears throat> happens a lot of times is they find their favorite ape-man fossil, right? And that's the one that they used for yes. many years, and then eventually that goes out of style, right? And, right. and then it's replaced by the next one. And so, uh -huh. yeah, I predict that uh, probably not too far in the future, Lucy's probably going to go by the wayside. Okay. And they'll have their new And favorite. they'll have a new, because there always is. They're going to... Right. 
clutch onto something exactly. new and they're going to say, well, this is a much better example of human evolution right. taking place here. Exactly. Until science discovers something about that. Exactly. Yeah. And then you have the kids that look in the textbook, right? And they see, so this generation, it's Lucy, right? And the generation before that was right. another one, and the generation mm -hmm. before that was another one. And so mm -hmm. that's the thing that they hold up as being the absolute proof of human evolution. Sure. And just like we started off the broadcast with, mm -hmm. is we've, we've learned that human evolution is one of the most uh, convincing arguments for evolution, and yet here these fossils go by the wayside, right? And sure. the students don't realize that this is just this trending fossil for, for their generation, and it's gonna go away, and the next one's gonna come later on. It I happens know. all through history. It was Nebraska man, and then it was Java man, and Piltdown man, man, and then Neanderthals, when I was a kid, was this apish brute, uh -huh. you know? And <laughs> and then and now we've learned that they were just humans. So yeah, yeah. there's a, a life for every generation. So. Good, so uh, moving on here, next we have Lucy's uh, fingers. So the fingers that they've had to study are from Lucy's kind. So this is not Lucy's actual finger, it's from what they call Lucy's family or, or Lucy's kind. But lo and behold, they've statistically plotted these things out. Mm -hmm. They come in right within the ape family. They're curved and ape-like hmm. for living in trees. Okay. So uh, you know our, our finger bones are of course very straight uh, and of hers are not. They're curved because she used them for hanging on tree limbs <laughs> and swinging. Sure. So, but that's another just feature that would point to the fact that she was just an Okay. So uh, Lucy's legs, this is interesting. We, we plunge through a lot of literature. There are some that say she walked on all fours, some that say on her back feet, some say she shuffled, some say she walked with a bent hip, bent knee. Hmm. But the interesting thing when you go through this, and again, these are secular sources, right. is that they're all over the map right. on what they say about Lucy. Right. You know, maybe she walked this way or shuffled or on her feet yeah. or all fours. The fact is, we don't know. We do have features of her anatomy that would point that she walked on all fours, certainly. But even the secular scientists are all over the map. Okay, so the, secular scientists still can't get the story straight because what? They're trying to interpret too much from a small pile of bones. Yes, exactly. Yep. You have about 47 skeletal bones that have been reconstructed from hundreds and hundreds of fragments. Wow. Most kids don't know about that. When we pour out the bones on a table, we're like, this yeah. is what they found in our textbook? Huh. Because students have the idea that there's thousands of these creatures whole and complete in, in the ground, but that's not what they find. Wow. Right, so, yeah. so be more specific, Dan. When you look at the, the textbook, you see the, uh, the fossils of Lucy. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and so it appears that they've got the full bones there that they've discovered, but in fact, yes. those aren't even complete bones that they found. They're, those are manufactured from many different fragments. Is that true? You know, what's interesting is you, we, we, uh, we have a, a fossil, the whole set of, of Lucy. We bring it, we pour it out on a table, and uh -huh. we say, okay, well, these can be pieced back together to make 47 skeletal bones, okay. and then, then you go from that yeah. to an ape, and then you put hair on it, and then you put eye whites on it, like the secularists <laughs> do, to try to prove that she's becoming more and more human. Yeah. But you think about the leaps and the inferences that are made there, that you go from hundreds of bone fragments to 47 skeletal bones to a complete fossil because only about 40% you know, of her, her body was found. Yes. And then you, and then you put hair and eyes uh -huh. and everything to else. To make it so look human. There's, yeah, there's a lot of speculation. Thank you all so much for being Absolutely. here. Absolutely, thank we're you, We're gonna David. have to have you back for another program. Okay, great. sounds thank good. You. All thank right. you. The often repeated mistakes about Lucy and other ape-like ancestors are finally being completely exposed. You know, there's no reason for museums and textbooks to hang on to this old, outdated, primitive theory of human evolution. But if the research is showing that we didn't evolve, then that means that we were created. 
Yes, you were not conceived from chaos. You were created with purpose, and you have a God that loves you. He wants you to be a part of His family, and He's waiting on you to receive Him. His gift through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, Yeshua of Nazareth, is eternal life. Now, we hope that you've been encouraged and educated as you learn of the wonders without number that we find all around us. Leave us questions and comments on our Facebook page and give us a call to learn more. I'm David Reeves, and until our next time on Wonders Without Number, keep looking up. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of the TV show Creation in the 21st Century on TBN. Each week we talk to some of the world's leading scientists, all showing how our Creator, the God of the Bible, has left a pattern of His fingerprints throughout the universe. Engage with other like-minded believers through the Creation Club, a place for biblical creationists to share and learn. This fast-growing website offers over a thousand articles written by authors from many different backgrounds, already encompassing six different languages. Combating the unproven theories of evolution, our 24-7 TV network reaches millions of people with biblical truth. Genesis Science Network broadcasts globally over the internet, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, mobile devices, and more. It's a new Christian alternative to the evolutionary programming so prevalent on TV today. Be sure to sign up for our email updates and like us on Facebook for weekly inspiration and education regarding science and the Bible. Talk to your pastor about sponsoring one of our live events in your church or community.